0: Well, I've told you before, many of you have already heard this, but some of you haven't, so feel free to laugh on several accounts because you're can. you going to be laughing at me, and I know you're going to be laughing at me, so I'm just giving you permission to do that, okay? Now, in just a minute, you're going to see a picture not right now that will really probably make you roll, so I want to warn you so that you just don't have an accident when it comes up here. I've told many of you before that I grew up in a little town in Minnesota, it was called, It was a little German community of 650 people. My graduating class was the largest class left in the school, which no longer exists, and we were 42 people. And the town was a German town, and it named itself Keister. My diploma says graduate of Keister High School, and I don't have it on my wall. <laughs> the fame of our town was that we made it on David Letterman one night as the butt of all jokes. And uh, I have to say that growing up in Keister, Minnesota, uh, for me, was a lonely experience in many ways. And it wasn't lonely because of, uh, especially because I was trying to live kind of a a radical, on-fire Christian faith, but it wasn't lonely to me because there weren't people who could be my friends. There were plenty of friendly people. And it wasn't lonely to me because there weren't some other Christians that could have been around. It was lonely to me because of my conception of what it meant to follow Jesus and how that impacted the way I lived my life with other people. And I became this island unto myself in many ways. And then I went to college. And I went to a Christian college that, uh, that required ties for the men to wear to class and, and, and to go to the lunchroom. And the, the women had to wear skirts. And it was in Oklahoma, and it was very windy, and so skirts were not a good thing for women in windy weather, at all. There were many times that they walked around campus holding it down, trying to make sure it didn't blow above their heads. But we didn't wear ties and skirts there because of a religious belief that you had to do that we, the The college actually had a value that they wanted their people to dress for success you've all probably, if you've been in the corporate world, a lot of you've probably read that book and and you know that it teaches you how to dress and therefore you'll think it's really funny when you see the picture of what I showed up to college on looking like the first day and uh, there we are. That's me, my first day of college. And the beautiful part of it is you can't see the best part. That shirt is an amazing shirt. It has metallic silver pinstripes and baby blue pinstripes. And the tie had metallic silver pinstripes. It was just, you know, the height of fashion then was, do you remember the green pants and the boat shoes with no socks and the pink eyesod shirts the guys were wearing? Doesn't Doesn't that just really fit in? really well and the funny one of the funny things there that day was also a day that changed my life and it wasn't uh, it wasn't changing my life because the RA in charge of assigning rooms ended up being my RA he saw me walk through looking like that and he thought this would be really funny to put him on my floor so I didn't know who I was going to room with he assigned me to a room with a hardcore senior black punk rocker from San Francisco I didn't even know what punk was at the time. It was a major cultural cultural shock. But the actual best thing that happened that day was it was an upperclassman floor. There were only four freshmen. It was freshman orientation. And so come that evening, the RA on the floor gets all the freshmen together and says, you will and even give us a choice. He said, you will meet with me once a week for an hour and a half in a small group. We will study the Bible together. We will talk about how it applies to our life. You will get to know each other and open up and be real with each other. And after a month, you will continue this. And the amazing part of it was it continued for years through most of college. And even more amazing than that was how different all of us were in the group. It was a strange group. I was the strange one. And then there was a guy named Len who was a brainiac from Rhode Island. And it took me two weeks to figure out that when he talked about bubbly, he was not talking about soda or pop because I figured, you know, bubbly must mean something that bubbles, right? No, bubblies in Rhode Island, I guess, are the water fountains. That's what they call the water fountains. But Len was this brainiac who actually, I mean, he's gone on actually to be recognized as one of the world's foremost authorities in brain research. Just a different, cool guy. And then there was John. John was this guy from this small city, kind of the blue-collar, work ethic type of business type of person. And he came to school, and he was this—he was the guy who could sell anything. He was a wheeler dealer. In fact, between in summers, he would take on summer jobs that were commission only during college, and he'd make forty grand just in the summer. He was just this amazing wheeler-dealer, just, you know, and that's, if you know me, that's not me. And so we get that in the group. We got a Brainiac, we got a wheeler-dealer, and then there's Ted, who, Ted was this amazing athlete who probably could have gotten a scholarship in in, uh, tennis. He used to, for for the fun of it, uh, he used to go uh, take on the scholarship tennis players and beat them and then just say, I don't want to play, and walk away. And he could have probably gotten a scholarship in baseball. He was just an amazing athlete. He grew up in a home where his dad was the CEO and president of mid- and, mid and large-sized companies in Chicago and Minneapolis. And, and his family circulated among the social elite of those cultures. And, and so you get Keistery Me and Brainiac Len and blue-collar working Wheeler Dealer John and sophisticated social, culturally elite but very approachable Ted in a group. You wouldn't think it would work. But in reality, it was one of the most life-changing things that has ever happened in my life. I grew up more socially. I grew up more spiritually. I grew up more culturally. I grew up more as a person because of those relationships in a faster time period than could have probably been imagined for me growing up in such a small town with a small mindset. I learned to dream dreams that were bigger than keister. I learned to think about God in a different way. I, learned, I, I began on a journey that, that took me out of this Christianity that made me be isolated from everybody, thinking that was the way to live, thinking that the way to live was just to be better than everybody else and, and be more holy than everybody else in the holier-than-thou sense, which is actually probably not a good definition of holy anyway. I started to learn what it was like to follow Christ. And I started to learn what it was like to receive grace and give grace and, and believe God was good and, and and to have a relationship with people regardless of where they were at in their faith journey. And it was a wonderful time. But, you know, as life goes on, and you all have experienced this, you go to college and you make great friends and people graduate and they move on and, and life changes and the group goes away and... And so I've been through periods of time in my life where I've had that same type of thing, and I've been through periods of time since then when I didn't. And if you're a man here, you're probably thinking, oh, man, he's talking about small groups. And some of you might be thinking, I don't want to be part of that because I don't like this touchy-feely. I'm not sure I want to do that. And the reality is that for us as men, most of us don't really have relationships beyond the recreational, business talk, casual, social stuff that we do. You know, we get together and we play basketball, which actually you can do this afternoon too. Is that right? Are we doing that this afternoon? There's an open gym for men at two. And we can do that and that's great. I love doing that. but, But so much of our tendency, especially as men, is to revert to those kind of, in a sense, islands who we just work hard and we have fun hard, but we don't really share life together and know each other well. And I'm guilty of that too. I mean, only a few years after this whole experience, I was out of all my education. I was starting to look for applying for my first full-time jobs in ministry. And I I refused to apply for any job that had small groups in the job description. Just absolutely didn't want anything to do with them. Even though I'd had such a great life-transforming experience, I didn't want anything to do with them. Because our tendency is to always want to be on our own, especially as men. But God tricked me. I ended up getting this temporary, what I thought was going to be a temporary part-time job in a church. And then the church started to grow a little bit. And then about two months after I got got hired there, they came and said, you can be full-time if you will do small groups. And it turned into one of the most wonderful, fulfilling, best times of ministry in a church I've ever been a part of. I saw more lives transformed in those six years from nominal followers to Christ or people who had decided to leave behind following Christ to coming back to following Christ. I saw more marriages saved. I saw more people get healthy and get out of emotional stuff from emotional abuse when they were young through those groups than I've seen at any other single time in my life. And over the course of the years since then, many of you know that I went on from that position to to consult with churches for about 11 years. And and I'm more convinced today than ever, I have never seen a church that is healthy long-term, that doesn't have small groups. That people aren't intentional about being in relationship. About walking through the good and the difficult times together and being honest with one another and yet it's so easy it's so easy to not have that in fact i would say i've never seen a really long-term passionate healthy christian who doesn't have intentionality involved in their life of being a part of a small group whether it's a formal church small group or whether you have an intentional group of people, you get together maybe for lunch on a weekly basis or something at work where you all wrestle through the real issues of faith and life together. It doesn't have to be a formal small group from a church. But without that intentionality, I have never seen anyone. Because the reality is, without intentionality, all of us will become settlers We'll just settle for what life is like now, even if it's not the best, even if it's not great. We will settle for what we know now instead of continuing to pursue and push ourselves and be held accountable to be intentional in pursuing a quest, a divine dream that God has for our lives. We don't do that very well alone. We do it best together. And you know, sometimes uh, this is especially hard in America because we approach our faith and we've bought into a lot of times the old American saying that my faith is a private individual thing. And that statement is so not biblical. It's not even close to following being in line with the pattern of what the Bible talks about. If we fall into that pattern, we will be crossways with what Jesus not only taught, but even more important, sometimes it's so easy for us as Christians when we approach our faith, we approach it by looking at the Bible and we say, let's find out the principles. Let's find out the truths that we can apply to our life and we can live them so we live right and we live good and we live clean. But all too often when we look at the Bible, we forget to look at the pattern of how they lived that. We just look for the principles, and sometimes we don't look at the pattern. And when we look at Jesus, Jesus demonstrated this whole idea that life is about relationship, and he demonstrated that a living, breathing church that is effective, that is healthy, that is, that is good, a living, breathing Christian that is healthy, effective, and good lives life in small groups. We see those numbers in the New Testament. It talks about that Jesus had 120 followers, but they were broken down into a group of 70, 12, and 3. And I suspect that his 12 and 3 approach to small groups was probably replicated through that whole 120 group. Now, I can't prove that from Scripture, but I can say this. How else would we see that very pattern of 12 and 3 be replicated through the growth of the early church if Jesus had not modeled it for them? Because most of the disciples who were leading the early church were largely uneducated people who had no experience in leadership. And yet we see the church explode early on and this pattern of being in relationships of, of 3 and 12, being and living life in small groups is everywhere throughout the early church. Jesus said this. He said, A new command I give you, love one another. And as I, as I have loved you, not just as I have expressed my love to you, but as I have lived life with you, as, have, as I have modeled how to live life, in relationship, in small group. Live your life like that and express love to each other like that, he's saying. By this, he says, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. In Acts 2, we see in the early church as it begins to explode with thousands of people starting to come into the church rapidly over the course of a few short weeks. Here's the statement that it says about the early church. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread refers to the to communion, and and basically what they're saying there is communion is this element of, of, of worship that we do together, which means we are honest and open about who we are, our faults, our sins. We confess them and receive forgiveness. We live in that kind of relationship. We go to the teaching. We, do, we, we go to the large group things. We have fellowship with, with small groups. And we're honest with our lives in those small groups with each other. And we pray and support one another. And everyone, it says, everyone, because they lived like this, everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, repeating this whole pattern. It's so important that they actually repeat it. They met together in groups and worshipped together. And they met together in homes and ate together, lived life together with glad and what? Sincere hearts. Living life without masks being sincere with one another, praising God. Why? Because all this led to life transformation. It led to miracles. It led to us getting out of our problems and and moving on with God. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Being saved. Isn't that an interesting word? It probably means that they actually gathered with people in their homes who weren't even convinced followers of christ yet but they were attracted to who they were they were attracted to the realness and they wanted to seek god and see if this god was real in their lives and they were being saved and they were adding them to the number as they were being saved because of why because they joined us in relationship you know denise earlier said You could go ahead and take this and give it to people who uh, may want to come to Sunday mornings, but I would also suggest that maybe there's some people you know who don't even want to come here, who aren't ready to come here, but they're in relationship with you. They see the sincerity of your faith. They see the openness of your pursuit. Invite them to seek with you Don't be a hard sell with them and make them say you have to believe. Just say, come on, just do this study. We're going to study how Jesus walked and we're going to study how the New Testament people actually thought about faith. And if you're seeking and want to look at it, just come. You don't have to be convinced and and see if God won't bring people among you who are being saved. They're not yet there yet, but God's working in them and saving them. You know, as long as we think that our faith is an individual and private thing. We will always be crossways with the teachings of the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. If we think it is an individual and private thing, maybe because of our priorities in life, maybe because we don't have time in our life to do this or, or, or we don't make it a priority to do this, we will always end up with a faith when we're by ourselves like I ended up being an island to myself when I could have had tons of friends. We'll be at this island unto ourselves because if we don't do life together, we never have the opportunity to experience what grace really means because we're never close enough to anyone to give it and receive it on a consistent basis. And when, we're not, when we don't have that in our life, we will end up with a Christianity that is more focused on morality and performance than it is on a relationship with God, a good God who wants to come to us and love us. If we don't live life together, we're going to end up living life like this video clip that you'll see.
1: There are some things in life you can't do alone. Like, have a party. Wrestle.
0: Have a sack race. Step aside, fools. I got this. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Play Marco Polo. Marco. out of water. <laughs> like teeter <laughs> Oh. <laughs>
0: Get engaged. <laughs> Will
1: you marry me? Yes! Move a heavy, awkward piece of furniture. Finger, finger,
0: finger. Just go, just go, just go. Or normal garth- speed. <laughs> Something should not be attempted Your spiritual journey is one of them. When it comes to that, we're definitely better together. Isn't that great? I love the water skiing bit. You know, so many of us are geared and taught all of our life, that we can change our lives, that we can live our life simply on personal commitment and sacrifice alone. And we've tried that. We've probably tried it, all of us, even in our faith. We've tried it in our marriage, We've tried, it, and, and we find ourselves isolated, thinking we're the only ones having problems in our marriage. We've tried it in all areas of our life. But isn't it funny that all around us the exact opposite is shown to be true? Think about it. AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. They know that you you will have a whole lot less success becoming free as a person if you do it alone. And therefore you do it together. Jenny Craig knows that. You lose weight better if you've got somebody with you, right? The whole team-based, ministry, team-based leadership and executive coaching culture of our business world today knows that we grow better and we do things better when we live life together with someone. And Jesus knew it. The early church knew it. The greatest movements throughout Christian history where God could be seen most evidently working and transforming people's lives knew it. St. Patrick went into the Irish culture, which was a pagan culture, and transformed an entire culture. In a generation, he knew the small groups and the ability to do life and relationship together with that were a key. John Wesley knew it, and he changed England and America and the world and the missions movement because it was all based on small groups and, and doing life together and being honest with, with each other. Even the Vineyard Church, which, which, with which we're affiliated, knows that. And that's been a core thing to the reason why it's one of the faster-growing movements of churches in America today. And many of you here know that a small group relationship has transformed your life more than anything you've ever done, and I know that. Today the invitation is very simple. The invitation is for each of us to put action to the faith that we've been talking about for over a year of living life together as friends with faith. If you are in a small group, the invitation already is that you would welcome new people into your small group. If you are not in a small group, the invitation today is that you would put action to your faith because faith is not, faith is dead without action. Faith is not belief. Faith is not good thoughts. Faith is not hope. Faith is taking a step. So I'm asking you to put your faith in action today and actually join a group And see if God will show up. And see if if you haven't had the same experience I've had, if God won't give you that same experience. And if you are here and you're not sure of your faith in Christ, you're not sure he's even real, then I've got to invite you to this process because we're going to be looking at, as a whole church, this whole core thing of what is true spirituality. What does it really mean to follow Jesus? And not just in his teachings, but in his practice. So if you actually get a hold of this stuff and sign the commitment card and go out and actually follow this and do this, you will be not only experiencing the teaching of Jesus, but you will be living a process of how Jesus taught everybody to live faith and to discover faith. So that's what I want to invite you today. And our whole core scripture for the next uh, six weeks as we do this series together is going to be based out of Romans 12. So we have here a bunch of handsome and lovely small group leaders who uh, are going to be out there and you'll get to see their faces here and uh, you can join one of their groups. We have other groups as well that aren't represented here uh, and we're going to read for you Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you.
1: Just as each of us has had one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function.
0: So in Christ, we who are all many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others.
1: Love must must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer.
0: Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality.
1: Okay, are you ready for to make the commitment or to be committed? <laughs> if you're ready to make the commitment, let's put you through a test. Okay, the test is, we wanna set you up for success, you know? You don't wanna go into it feeling like you're gonna fail. So, um, Wes, can you help me out here? Hold it up a little high, okay. How many verses are in Romans 12? <laughs> <laughs> 21. Okay, you passed the test. Isn't that nice? It's like 12. Just reverse it. Ha ha. is Isn't that wonderful? Okay, I, before you guys go out to the tables, I just want to share something really quick. I, and I didn't tell Ross about this, ha ha, <laughs> I joined a small group here um, in December of 2004 when we had a small group outreach just like this, and I've been with that group Ever since So I guess in a way I'm committed To learning and growing my faith Um, I was going through my divorce At the time And life was just terrible Like it was just I can't even describe it And if it wasn't for my small group I wouldn't have made it through Um, You know how you go through those phases Of grieving no matter what Loss you have in your life And when you lose a marriage of 15 years I Went through those phases and I went through that phase where you go through that anger I started my small group the second week of the small group I was angry at everybody and everything And I went through anger in three weeks I learned how to forgive and that's supposed to be tough I mean, I was in denial for years and then I went through anger in three weeks because I had this group of women who Surrounded me with love and helped me see how I needed to choose to forgive and choose to act in a different way if it wasn't for my small group i wouldn't have made it through and that drummer back there is my husband now (laughs) and he's awesome and we met right here at quest so i'd tell you you know if you're going through a bad time this is a great time to get into a small group if you're going through a wonderful time and you have the love and energy to support other people join a small group that's all i have to say thank you all
0: right all these small group leaders will be waiting for you in the lobby in just a moment. Thank you. And uh, you know uh, it's great, Thank you, Denise, for actually sharing that. because the reality is, the reality is even in my life, the times that the times that I look at life and I see the least growth or the longest prolong the prolonging of dark times in my life were times when I did not have this kind of relationship. We've talked about it a lot. We want to live life as friends with faith. And we didn't pick that out of the we didn't pick that phrase out of the sky because it's just cute or you know some people here actually like it. some people don't like that phrase. We picked it because that's how Jesus lived with his disciples. We picked it because that's how people have lived who have experienced God and seeing their lives make a difference because they get through stuff and they get on to making a difference in life for God and transforming other people's lives. That's what life is about. It's always better together than it is apart. So I want to invite you. Take it serious today. Please take your card. Go out. Sign up for a group if you're not in one. Even if you're in a group, go sign up on the, on, on the group that you're already in so that everybody else knows you're, you're in that group. And who knows, maybe you'll have a friend that you've already started to make who didn't realize you were in a group, and they'll join too, okay? If you don't have a chance, for whatever reason, this week we'll have the opportunity to sign up next week. We've made this, uh, this service intentionally a little bit shorter, not quite as short as I thought we were going to be, uh, so you could have more time to uh, gather outside, meet people, and sign up. So... We're going to uh, dismiss, and the worship team is going to send us out with a song. Uh, you can start going out and start signing up right away. If you came here and you got a need that you want prayer for, uh, there'll be a few people around. Uh, either grab a friend or grab one of the people down here because we'd sure love to pray for you. But let's have a great week. Let's let's put into action at a deeper level this vision of living life like Jesus as friends of faith. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.